Hi, Marilyn. Hi, Brian. It's good <laughs> to see you again. Yeah, you too. So, um, <laughs> is that uh, your launch pad area? This is, is this is my launch pad. <laughs> How many uh, out of body experiences do you think you've had in that space? Uh, hundreds. Hundreds Probably. more. Um, and last night was quite the uh, quite the adventure as well. Really? Can you uh, tell me about it? Yeah. Last night I was been taking I was taken into I, I can't go into a great deal of detail because it was very um, abstract, but I was taken into being shown an overhead map of the apocalyptic times that we have now entered. And, um, and I was being shown the important parts that I was to play in different aspects of it. And this was very surprising to me because this has never been something that I, um, you know, saw as being something as part of my calling. But it was shown to me that it was very much a part of my calling to be here during this time. And um, I was given um, several sets of books. And, you know, in a lot of the mystical experiences I have, I'm given books. And um, sometimes these are books that you cannot, you know, get on earth. Sometimes I'm shown books that I can actually go get and read. But these were all books that I can't get on earth. And a lot of times what happens in these experiences is you are being given so, somewhat of the energy of the knowledge that's contained within them. And as you continue um, opening up the meaning of the mystical vision, it will... Uh, the contents of it become more and more clear to you. So, so the information that's in there is kind of like being downloaded into you as you are experiencing this, but then the, um, the complete information and the complete importance of it unravels, it unfolds. And um, things, things become known to you that, weren't pre that you didn't previously understand. And that's how it, how it does that. And I had a, there was a priest there who was guiding me and showing me these different conjunctions over my whole life as to how it was leading to this time and this other total different, you know, conjunctions of you know this abstract period of time now known as the apocalyptic period ironically i'll just uh, i have to curl this over but um i'll just let this is this is the kind of stuff i do when i come back from mystical experience i just scratch out little notes but you know my notes were you know the signs of the apocalypse um a particular priest was there i know who he was so i just um put it down. I saw and was given many things and I had to know what it would look like because I was a pivotal, <laughs> a pivotal, mm -hmm. I was a pivotal um, part of some, some aspects of what was coming in. And then these books were given to me, these set, and these were like sets of books. So um, like five or six volumes was one of the sets of books. It was blue. And, um, and then there were these other books that were more individual volumes. But I remember this one in particular was a set of books. And I was only given five or six volumes, but there were actually about 40 volumes in the entire set. But they were giving the other volumes to other souls who were present, who were also playing pivotal roles in what we were being told was this apocalyptic time that we are now entering. 
and um, it was really, really a powerful experience. And um, uh, because there's a certain sense of disbelief, you know, that it's like, wow, this is really kind of happening now, isn't it? And, it, you know, because, you know, we all, um, you, you know, so many of us have had so many types of uh, visions about apocalyptic events. And I mean, not just in our, in our generation, but in thousands, the last couple thousand years. So it's something that we have all as mystics, we've all seen these things. I mean, you can read about the visions of Emanuel Swedenborg in the 16th century and, you know, every, all the way back to the beginning, St. Paul in the beginning. And so we, we never know exactly what that means, you know? Mm -hmm. um, well, as far as, um, let's say, let's see, how should we go into this? What did the apocalypse look like? It wasn't, it was, what I was being shown was, it was signs of the apocalypse. And um, ironically, it was not the things that a lot of other people are being shown. You know, I know of some other people who are having the mystical visions that include what you would consider like apocalyptic visions. Um, and I've mentioned before Father Michel, um, who is, you know, the apostle of the, I think the apostle of the end times, is that what he called, what, yeah. what it's called? And, um, and he has, you know, the actual, the ones that are more the fire, the, uh, you know, the, the fiery atmospheres and, and those types of, you know, vistas. What I was seeing was events leading to events and series of actions leading to different connections that needed to happen spiritually for the next um, phase to occur. And what is that phase? That was not given to me to know, but it was very clear that it was really, really important in a bigger sense of things in terms of all humankind, all, all spiritual you know, um, evolution, all of us as you know the human race but all life and it was very very important but it was just literally the beginning of allowing me to see into what this you know might look like and in order to how to travel through it in order to um, bring about the alterations or the things that my my soul is particularly called to do during that period of time. And like I said, there was a lot of abstraction. You know, in the mystical experience, you can have a great deal of your experience can be very abstract, nonlinear, you know. And so, um, in fact, with some of my spiritual counseling clients, we've developed a way of, you know, communicating about that, which is, you know, okay, so. I had something really important last night, but it was abstract and nonlinear. <laughs> you know? Okay, so it was one of those things where you know it's this really powerful energetic thrust that comes in. Um, you're allowed to remember that you had it, you, but you're only a, a given to remember very minimal um, in terms of details. And part of that is because it comes in pieces. 
and eventually then you have other types where you have uh, where those pieces come together and you can have like the other types of visions which we talk about which are much more of a clear uh, direct message a much more clear direct you know you know exactly what you're being shown this is one of those abstract non-linear moments where it's like wow you know it's kind of like when you know it reminds me of a time um, like 10 years ago when i had this amazing beautiful out-of-body experience where i was shown the history of salvation and again it was very abstract and non-linear but i was taken through you know the entire history of the world and was watching salvation history unfold and what happens is these elements and these energetic components of it become known to you in a way that is and this is you know when we talk about the vibrational knowledge mm -hmm. this is when that's happening where you're literally learning vibrationally um, what will then slowly emerge into something that you can uh, that you can maybe codify at some point in words but um, there are a lot of experiences that you can have in the out-of-body travel state that will remain abstract and non-linear which are where there's these multiple realities these multiple spheres that are merging together that are working on our unconscious our subconscious minds teaching us things and bringing things together so that we will then reach another birth point where that knowledge will become more clear to us but that's actually a very very common process throughout the out-of-body travel experience that you will have these um periods or not even necessarily always periods sometimes periods of time sometimes just a few experiences in between things where and people can get very frustrated by them because it's like wow that was so important and i know it was so important why can't i remember the details you know that's the abstract non-linear stuff and that's you know ironically it's always a good sign because it means something is being formed within you something that you are being taught that will you know <laughs> that will come to fruition but you know it, it comes in its own time and so perhaps it's not always necessary for one to consciously know uh, what has happened during the night it, it's just exactly energetic download it's it's an experience it's there it's yes part of the subconscious the soul the, the unconscious well and even even with um yes because there are a lot of people too who think that when they have a night where they don't have any memory nothing happens they don't have you know this is you know once someone is having you know regular conscious out-of-body experiences or uh some type of lucid dreaming or mystical experience they think that if nothing happens that that that's a bad sign and that's not actually that's part of the ebb and flow of how the energy moves where you know we go unconscious in order that we might be prepared for the next step which is the next conscious event and so it's it's um it's a necessary part of um of allowing ourselves to receive those energies and vibrations that actually bring us knowledge through vibration you know because we talk about how knowledge is not information 
its vibration. And that's what this, this, you know, what I'm doing here is this is what you're seeing in your experiences is this is how that vibration, AKA then knowledge is going to move, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's going to be an ebb and flow. It's going to pull back and then thrust back up, pull back, thrust back up. And th then this is how, you know, then you look at it kind of like a staircase where you're, you're going higher and higher and higher close to God, but there's always going to be a little bit of pulling back going further up, going further down, going further up, but you're still, you know, as long as that, as long as that movement is actually on an upward slant, you're, you're doing okay. You know, and in the beginning, you are going to be more like doing this. And at different periods, you're going to be going through periods where you're going to be on one plane of movement with that energy in order to, you know, to go through that period of understanding and, and attaining to that knowledge and then you'll you know then you'll be okay I'm done here and I'm going to be taken again to the next step whatever that might be and let's get into that a little bit deeper as we go forward but I wanted to ask you about out-of-body experiences in regards to religions and sure. of course you uh, wrote the uh, voice of the prophets about all the major religions yeah and including indigenous people and so you know we're also talking about the apocalyptic times visions yeah some people who are very religious they may not feel that out-of-body experiences um, the apocalypse or visions are a part of their religion but can you speak to that a little bit since you've gone through and really dove into the major religions? Well, ironically, yeah, you mentioned the voice of the prophets, Wisdom of the Ages, which is an encyclopedia of ancient sacred text in 12 volumes. And it's, um, it's um, literally an encyclopedia of ancient sacred texts. It's a really good resource for that sort of thing. I also wrote another book that is really good for this. It's called Near Death and Out-of-Body Experiences, Auspicious Births and Deaths of the Prophets, Saints, Mystics, and Sages in World Religions. Um, I think that one of the things that is sometimes overlooked is that most religions were born um, uh, you know, from a profound out-of-body event, you know, an out-of-body travel event, um, because that's what revelation usually is. St. Paul speaks of whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Um, you know, Zarathustra, the founder of Zoroastrianism, was a profound mystic. Um, uh, Judaism is a religion of great revelation. Um, you know, these are, um, you know, the prophets of Judaism speak for themselves. You know, Ezekiel, we, the prophet, Moses. We have Hindu, Hinduism, Sikhism, Jainism, Judaism. You have a couple of volumes of that one. Mystery religions, a couple of those. Zoroastrianism, which you just mentioned. Buddhism, Confucianism, Christianity, African religions, Aboriginal religions, Native American religions, mm -hmm. Baha'i, Islam, and uh, abridged lesser known texts. Those are just uh, the 12 volumes broken yes. down of Wisdom of the Ages, Voice of the Prophets. Thanks. Yeah, thank you for doing that. Ironically, um, one, of the, one of the books in that series that is one of my favorites is the volume on the abridged lesser known texts 
because <laughs> I, I, I always like the, uh, the lesser known ancient sacred texts out there because those are always the ones that have little surprising little gems in them, you know? <laughs> so, so there's a lot of interesting things in there. But, um, but yes, you know, Hinduism uh, was born uh, out of this sort of thing as well. You know, we have Krishna, we have Rama, we have, um, you know, there's all kinds of things there. Jainism, Sikhism, you know, the Sri Guru Granth Sahib was um, brought in with Guru Nanak, you know, originally, and he was having these profound ecstatic visions and, of course, deep contemplative meditation. Um, and there's, you know, some of these things overlap one another, like Sikhism, which, it, you know, where they go into the golden stream of sound and all these things. And this is, this is all very um, mystical stuff. This is, you know, this is what all the mystics from throughout the world and the ages and all traditions are talking about, um, you know, they might call it something else, you know, I really like what the Sikhs uh, call it, you know, and that's also something the Sant Matt people call it, which is the golden stream of sound, which is, this is, this is what happens if you're entering into an out-of-body experience. You're entering into this stream of energy, which flows within the universal vibration of God. It's, it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. And people can also touch into that in deep meditation. And so you see that there are people who are having these experiences both ways and touching into that thing. You know, Hinduism talks about the universal vibration, which is the sound of the Aum. Um, and that is something that you will hear, ironically, that is the sound of vibration in the universe. Um, and that's if you on listen, your logo. <laughs> yes, it is. Mm -hmm. It's the reason I picked it. And, <laughs> you know, and so we see this across the board, you know, um, in Jewish religion, you had Ezekiel and all, you know, Enoch, one of the greatest out-of-body travelers of all time. Oh my gosh, you know, he, we have the, you know, the books of Enoch, but you also have the secret books of Enoch, and there are other books of the travels of Enoch through um, the heavens, the hells, and the purgatories. Very profound. Most of them are included in the Pseudopigrapha, which is basically an apocryphal text of the Jewish religion. And so these are easily um, attainable books. They're not like so remote that they're, you know, just really unknown or something. They are, um, they are just, uh, they're, they're there. And what happens, I think, is that people for, do not look at it closely enough to realize that there is a common experience that they are all speaking of. Then when you go back and you talk, look at the, you know, the saints throughout history as well, the saints of all the different religions. And I, in the near-death and out-of-body experience of the prophets, saints, and mystics, and sages in world religions, I include a lot of their saints of the different traditions because that's what happens is they all touch into the same source. And so you start seeing that the divisions that are um, apparent on the ground, you know, in, in religion, when you actually look at the mystics in the religion, like if you take some of the writings of Catholic mystics and compare them to the writings of Sufi mystics. 
they're not gonna, you know, because they're converging here, okay? So you have to look here. They're converging up here at a high point in the spirit. And that's why when they meet in the spirit, in the mystical, they're not so far apart. And in fact, you'll see that there is a great deal of similarity between what they experience. Rumi is an excellent example of this because he was an Islamic Sufi. You know, people forget that Rumi, Jalaluddin Rumi, who is, you know, the most famous poet in the world, you know, he is the po most popular poet and the most famous poet in the world, was also, you know, one of the greatest mystics the world has ever seen and is also an Islamic Sufi you know, from Afghanistan, by the way. And so, you know, so we forget that there is this um, internal, tre uh, you know, internal treadmill that we're all kind of meeting on when, when the mystics are meeting together and converging in the spiritual realms versus when we get caught up in the different dogmas, you can see those differences. When the mystics are seeking God, things, the unity, the unification becomes much more clear. And there's a reason for that. It's because you are, you are throwing back the, the physical constraints of understanding and moving forward into the eternal understanding of unity. And there's a reason that we all must understand as well, which is, you know, God created all the humans. Um, and God created all the regions of the world. So God, you know, intended for there to be, you know, he also created all the prophets and all the different mystics. And, uh, you know, so there's a reason for these different paths, you know, these different world religions. I talk about that a bit in the Mysteries of the Redemption, which is that, you know, each of these world religions has different types of uh, focuses and uh, constructs that are very specific. Um, and if you bring together these different things, you actually have a much more um, visible perfection than when you keep them all apart. You have a more visible perfection because you are not excluding um, God's creativity in any human person. Great. The Mysteries of the Redemption you brought up. This is your first book? <coughs> that would be, um, that would be my sort of first book. Yeah, my first two books were published in 1991 and 92. And that was Odysseys of Light and Crystal River Flowing by Hampton Roads Publishing. And then um, The Mysteries of the Redemption was published in 2003, but it contains a rewritten version of both of those books along with what was intended to be a 16 book series is all so, now included in the Mysteries of the Redemption. Okay, and then the Mysteries of the Redemption is broken up into five books. Right. The first book is Prelude, Prelude to a Dream. Right. And in that, you talk about uh, realms and dimensions, and there is the third and fourth purgatorial realms that we live in, and there's the lower realms, 
uh, realm number two or dimension number two, maybe I guess realm is better, and realm number one, which is the darkest, heaviest. Yeah. And then there's five and above, which are the higher realms. And then there's infinite, infinitesimal amounts of realms within each realm. Right. Right. Like unlimited amounts of, of hell realms or heaven realms. So can we speak of that a little bit? And also I'm wondering, let's just, let's just go with that for now. And we'll go into the next step after that. Okay. Well, yes, you do have an infinite number of heavenly, purgatorial, and hellish realms. And part of that comes from, I think um, part of the reason people get confused by this is they think that there's one, one location, you know? <laughs> um, what, what we find when we start experiencing out-of-body travel is that um, there, uh, you know, there are so, there's so much more out there than we can possibly fathom. But when you're, when you're dealing with like purgatorial and hellish realms, there's going to be as many of those created as we can create in terms of what we need to purify ourselves from. So, you know, there are places that, you know, many souls will go where there might be similar um, issues that need to be worked through, but there are also places that, you know, we might individually create and then other souls might come there too because they might have something similar. Um, it's, it's very complex in how it works energetically because, you know, everything is compatibility. That's what my hands are kind of like, we flow, you know, and what happens, you know, in the afterlife, people kind of view the afterlife oftentimes as a very linear, very uh, one pointed thing. When in reality, what, what I have experienced in terms of helping souls who are crossing over, it's a many, 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 many faceted thing. So souls can begin their journey in one location and they may go through 20 or 30 different places that where they will be taught things, where they will be educated. These may be purgatorial realms um, and they may be other types of realms where they are working themselves through the issues or the confusions or the things that they did not properly understand or the things that um, they need to, uh, you know, correct to move closer and closer to an all holy God. And so you let's, know, let's go from there for a second. And so if we talk about everything that you said sounds like this is an educational process. It's a school. It's an earth school. So, and we, if we talk about the Tibetan Book of the Dead, mm -hmm. Egyptian Book of the Dead, really what our goal is here is to graduate from this earth school so that we can continue on along the path. And if you think that's correct for the most part, then where do we go after we graduate from earth? And what is the potential for most souls right now? And how many souls do you think are not going to graduate and are going to keep the karmic recycling going where they just have to keep relearning those lessons over and over i know that's four or five questions wrapped into one but yeah so if i miss any just remind me right. but um, <laughs> but um you know what happens that um we uh 
we don't realize that we are, um, sorry, I'm trying to, I, I was going on one thread and then it's kind of like my mind just went blank. <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to segue you for a second, but we were in the realms the realms and okay so what what is going forward as to and then what happens to those who aren't going to be able to go forward so you know ironically like paramahamsa yogananda talked about this too where he would talk about the astral planets you know where once a soul was moving on they would move on to the astral planets of course you know the catholic religion talks about going into the heavenly realms manuel swedenborg talks about going into one of three levels of heaven that has to do with um, whether your love is exterior, interior, or, you know, different types of things. Um, there's a lot of different ways that this manifests, but it really comes about with compatibility. So one of the reasons I stress the ancient sacred text so much, and this is so important, is because I have seen it mystically so many times that the ancient sacred texts have been shown to me as a staircase from earth to heaven. And we have to look at these ancient sacred texts as being, which is what they are, um, the last words of those souls as they were leaving this earth for the last time because you know, they were graduating from here and going off and so these are the you know these are very important words that were left behind for us and when we put together all of these ancient sacred texts we're literally compiling like this body of knowledge of what what is the mystery here of what we have to achieve and attain and as you know throughout my journey it's been a process of you know uh, taking in these different knowledges that these different texts contain and, and I'm led to, you know, which ones I need to study next and things like that. But what we're looking at is going to a higher, finer sphere, which is, you know, like realms five and above is where everything is, is light and above. And so, you know, once you're in the light realms, you're looking at a place where love and light prevail and it's just a matter of going to higher finer frequencies as you go higher and it's um believe me it's a very desirable place and you know continuing to rise um towards the higher and higher places is is very desirable once you're there um there's a you know a level of blessedness that is um just so tangible um, you know, the, there is a huge amount of souls that do kind of tend to do this over and over and over again. And, you know, frankly, um, mine has been one of them. <laughs> you know, most of us have been, you know, and this is probably part of the reason why many of us are called in a certain way when, when we are trying to reach the, hopefully reach the end of our journey. Um, in this earthly sphere to um, to put down in writing those words, which will hopefully lead others to the liberation that they seek as well. Um, but um, there are so many different things that can happen depending on the soul. Um, I talk about this in, in all of my books because I travel through and I work with souls who are in different states um, after death. Um, 
So why lost don't you? Lost souls, ghosts. Lost souls, ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, to me, there's, uh, seems there's dark, dark souls on the planet. There's almost, seems to me that people come here to earth and they're, they have certain proclivities that keep them at a lower vibration, but there's all these tempters and temptations and almost a structure here on earth that keeps people kind of here and, and trying to take them down further. Now, what is the goal of these dark ones, these, these souls that are not from the light? Why, why, what's the purpose of them trying to go down, down, down? I don't understand that. I'm so confused. Okay. Well, um, you mean the spirits that reside around the earth or the people? And, and human beings that have gone to the dark okay. and seem to want to bring the earth and bring souls down. What is the purpose and who's driving that? Well, we are. We are. Because this, the reason we're here is because it's a mortal realm, which is where the battles between good and evil reside. So... Um, as individual souls, the battle between good and evil is occurring within us and around us. Um, and so this is always going to happen here in a mortal realm. And there are many mortal realms. This isn't the only one. Um, so this is um, the nature of a mortal realm. Um, remembering again, we're you know, we go where we're compatible. We create our own compatibilities. So even in the sense of you know, people drawing towards them, even the spiritual support that supports their position. You know, um, if a person is uh, participating in something that's dark and they are not doing anything to weed that out of their soul, they're probably drawing in energies that support that way of life. And that sort of thing can actually, you know, create that energetic thing that pulls people down. Whereas this is the difficult thing because in order for us to actually access and go higher, we have to break free of our own bondage, which is usually of our own making. You know, it's our own habitual things that we hold on to that are um, of a dark nature. Sometimes it's, you know, it's even just the laziness of not wanting to actually do the work to discern what, what it is that we're doing. You know what I mean? The discernment process and then actually having to root it out because it is a process. It's not, um, it's not something for the, um, you know, someone who just wants to have a lukewarm kind of spiritual life, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why it is so easily overlooked by so many because very few people really want to, uh, uh, you know, seek God with all their soul, all their will and all their love and all their might, you know. Um, so we need to like look at things like this that remind us, you know, like even the, in the Taoist texts, there's that um, saying, um, uh, it's an old teaching of the Taoist masters where the master is talking to the student and the student says, well, when will I, you know, when will I, um, when will I find enlightenment? And the master pushes his head under the water and holds his head under the water. And then, you know, he's like, ah! and then he comes up, he lets him come up and he says, 
when you see God the way you just sought air, that's when you will find God. <laughs> and that really is, you know, the truth. And um, especially, you know, in a, in a world that's become so secular and it's become so um, unpopular to um, even consider the work that's required of each of us individually, the, um, the, you know, the literally, the, the discipline, the ascetical theology, the mystical theology that we, we need to undergo, which is literally the evaluation of our own propensities, of, the, of our own works, of our own, you know, our own lives and the direction that we're actually following. Um, it's, it's very difficult to make real progress forward without the prayer, without the meditation, without the spiritual reading. St. Padre Pio really emphasized that the daily spiritual reading was absolutely essential for people trying to make progress here in their spiritual life. So it becomes much more difficult when we don't understand that this is not a, it's, it's not really going to be a hobby. If you want to, if you really want to just, you know, climb that mountaintop, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be, uh, you know, doing, it's going to take up a good part of your energy and time and you're going to want it to because it becomes a fiery passion to overcome this. It becomes something that you must do it's you know it's something that you you cannot not do if it's if it's a casual observance on the side it's much harder to um to bring about the uh redemption yeah to bring it about yeah i mean it's you can bring about the redemption um even with you know meager effort because you know literally we just turn towards god but then we also have to be willing to follow that up with the work that will come come of that decision you know because once we make the decision there is work that follows and in the mysteries of the redemption to me it's a blueprint a map of sorts to follow <clears throat> and seeking out that process so I mentioned Prelude to a Dream. That's the first of the five books that the Mysteries of the Redemption is broken up into. Passage to the Ancients, Medicine yep. Woman Within a Dream, Absolute Dissolution of Body and Mind, and the Mystical Jesus. Yes. I, I wanted to bring up one more thing with this train of thought that we're talking about. Sure. In regards to the apocalypse, out-of-body travel, uh, secular religious beliefs and such. But I wanted to bring up the word terrestrial. So I looked up terrestrial. So it can, be, it can be dry earth. It can be what we call our earth, a planet that's dry. So there's a lot of terrestrial planets that we are very, we, you know, Mars, for instance, is terrestrial. At noon at the equator, it's warm enough where life grows. So there's life on Mars. So we know this, right? But there's, as we know, there's millions and millions of, of solar systems throughout our galaxy. And we're very well aware that there's many, many planets, terrestrial planets that have, uh, are close enough to a sun, a, a solar 
place where they can get enough heat, even though sometimes just the core of the earth would be enough to heat up a planet for, you know, beings like us that are alive that walk around because I, we can get into how there's spiritual beings that live on planets in our solar system, even though it's not terrestrial. I don't, I'm not one that talks about extraterrestrial. So extra just means, and to us, because there's terrestrial everywhere. So why is it extra? If there's <laughs> everywhere, right? But we say extra because it's not us. So we're like, oh, you know, you mean extraterrestrial? No, just terrestrial. That's terrestrial. <laughs> so in regards to terrestrials, now you, in regards to the religion, mm-hmm. how, how many faiths talk about, and I know the indigenous do, about um, terrestrials that we're not used to seeing that come to this planet? terrestrials from different planets that come here how many religions speak about this because for me it's like i never wanted to be put into that place where people can go like oh you're one of those (laughs) but i mean just you know what we know there's terrestrials and then there's a lot of people who've had a lot of experiences and how many religions talk about that and then how many people who are religious are going to say like well i don't want to go there because what's your take on that Well, I mean, this will have to be my opinion on it, but my opinion based on researching a lot of archaeological evidence and ancient sacred texts and, you know, uh, researching the other other theories, you know, there's going to be different views, you know, and the religions themselves may not agree with what I'm, you know, proposing, but, you know, (laughs) so, you know, what you have is you have, like you said, the Native Americans, especially the Hopi, have a pretty, pretty strong, um, you know, origin myths, but all of them do, that involve this, and then you also have, you know, in just the, um, the Old Testament, you have the book of Ezekiel, which is, you know, very much attributed to the possibility of was that an extraterrestrial event you know by a lot of people you have the same thing with many of the hindu vedas and you know the srimad bhagavatam there's a lot of things in those books um there was um there's there's some i think it's called vimanas is some of the ways that the that some the 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 vehicles that they talked about traveling in sure you know, so you definitely see that in Hinduism. Um, and then, you know, I haven't, you know, studied it to the greatest degree on every single religion. So I'm, I'm trying to think here off the top of my head. But, you know, that's going to, you're looking at that when you're just even looking at the book of Ezekiel, that, you know, that's a book that applies to uh Christianity and to Judaism and in some respects it applies to probably a little bit of Islam but I'm not sure we'll, we'll let them decide what the, whether or not but you know they do call themselves the people of the book um, so you have you have that kind of thrown around in historical texts with Hindu the Srimad Bhagavatam you have that through especially um, the Vedas and those things um, we have a lot of re- religions that are not old enough to really, you know, have a lot of, you know, like the Baha'is. Uh, I don't know that they have any 
ufology in their texts yet <laughs> but um you know it's it is definitely scrambled around we also know that there are a lot of um there's you know there's there's several pieces of you know catholic art that included you know terrestrial extraterrestrial craft yeah. you know and uh, and other things that were very clearly um, done in the Middle Ages that were obviously intended in that manner, or at least appeared to be intended in that manner. And so, you know, th these are things that if you're really interested in that, there's um, a really good uh, series of books by Yves Node. It's a four volume series on the history of ufology throughout these religions. And you can really get into all the individual experiences and the individual histories and you know he really covers it in depth um and you have several books that particularly yep. get into that yes one, one is called uh, extraterrestrials mm -hmm. and and what else let's see i'm looking at your website here trying to <laughs> track them all down you have 101 books so i gotta look through them i uh studied you know, i mentioned last podcast that i studied at the international academy of consciousness and some people are like where do you start because there's so much and they said i thought it was good advice was just jump in and start anywhere start with something that fascinates you that mm -hmm. inspires you to dig deep into it dive in i see you yeah. have a book on demonology yes angelology, <laughs> angelology. yeah and as I mentioned, um, the extraterrestrial one that I don't see right off the bat, but I'm sure it'll come across. That's in the Mystic Knowledge series, yeah, which is actually, the Mystic Knowledge series is a great place for people to look because there's lots of individual subjects in there that people can, like spiritual warfare, angels and demons, and ghosts and lost souls, things like that. Yeah. Reincarnation, have, uh, <laughs> you know. So we have, uh, let's see. So one is out-of-body travel, ghosts and lost souls, spirit yep. guides and guardian angels, reincarnation and karma, destiny and prophecy, extraterrestrials. Yeah, it was called extraterrestrials. <laughs> hell and purgatory, death, dying, and the afterlife, spiritual warfare, angels and demons, initiations into the mysteries, visions of Jesus and the saints, ascension suffering and sickness so those are all a part of the mystical the mystic knowledge series yeah it's a yeah. great series thank you and one of the things you'll definitely find too is that you know scattered throughout um my books you know in the mysteries of the redemption and all the books that follow and the uh you know the mystical captive series and the uh solitary series and um, I'm trying to remember myself, <laughs> but you know, you're going to find, yeah, you're going to find that those extraterrestrial experiences are kind of thrown in there. I've been seeing a lot of the Arcturians lately, which is different for me because, you know, uh, you know, from reading the mysteries of the redemption, you might recall had a lot of experiences with the Pleiadians for yeah. years. Mm -hmm. And just in the last six months, um, started seeing the Arcturians, which I've never seen before. And so I'm still trying to uncover what the, the big mystery is there, but it seems to be something to do 
with acceleration of energy on the planet during this time. And it just started literally just like uh, late December. And then, you know, all this crazy stuff that's happening with the pandemic, I think it's related, but I think it has to do with the acceleration of energy because they've been showing me these different things about acceleration of energy. And so I think it's related to, you know, the unusual events that we're experiencing now, possibly. So it'd be but, a good time to meditate. Yes, definitely. Because it's a great a very, time for that. <laughs> way to allow energy and information, knowledge, vibration to come into us. Yes. Just it, it's a really good way to allow those energies to accelerate. And, and this is kind of, you know, ironically with, um, you know, a lot of people have been quarantined for a while and, and it's starting to alter a little bit w with what, what, the recommendations are going to be for everybody, I guess. But um, the the whole thing here has been an, an opportunity for receiving a little bit of acceleration, you know, of that energy. And absolutely. And, you know, the, uh, the things that um, the Arcturians have shown me, because they don't speak to me, they just show me things is just like everything everything that you do putting this this intention of acceleration onto it and so whatever you're doing if it's meditation put put that intention that awareness that consciousness of acceleration onto it that it's it's um kind of like you know acceleration acceleration of our evolution acceleration of our vibration well, it's acceleration of the vibration for sure, but it's also um, acceleration of whatever it is that, you know, each individual might be being energized to do. So, you know, um, if, you know, whatever you're doing to move forward, think of accelerate. Like if you're normally like, um, if you're normally like standing at a, uh, you know, like let's say you're at a beginning of a, a race you know and you're gonna you're gonna let's say you're gonna run that race well what you want to actually do then is actually imagine that acceleration where that's actually like spinning like an in like a wheel rather than running um, one of the things they showed me was this this way that they would pull their energy up and around them mm. so that like the microcosmic orbit sort of well, it, it was like that, but it was also this extreme acceleration. So whatever you were doing, so, you know, like if someone's involved in some type of work in science, accelerate it. If you're involved in spiritual work, accelerate. You know what I mean? If you're meditating, think acceleration, you know, and part of this is just being open to receiving that, you know, um, it's, it's not going to be something that's like, necessarily um like just do this 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 and this you know it's going to be being receptive to whatever you're doing being like accelerated by a hundred times you know <laughs> i've been doing that a lot when washing dishes i'm the dishwasher <laughs> so you know i'll do that and i'm just and it for me i'm almost i kind i have a mantra that i say whether it's God, 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 or 
something of that fashion. And mm -hmm. my intention is that. And so I used to always listen to stuff. I always had to be learning stuff. And what I find myself is when I'm driving, maybe I won't listen to something and I'll just connect in and be receptive to what is maybe I'm supposed to be bringing in or allowing to come in and to not be like, okay, I gotta have my prefrontal lobe like active all the time. And you know, <laughs> instead just sit back and just be with my son and just, okay, I'm driving you to the daycare and cool. And <laughs> just being in love and being in what's the potential for that moment instead of me trying to create it of what I think with my left right. brain intellectual I must learn about everything maybe all those lessons just like when you're doing your auto body travel last night and they gave you all these volumes of these energetic volumes of, of books for you to study and, and download and bring into who you are I'm trying to bring that into my life yeah. I think that's interesting. And, you know, I used to um, always listen to certain types of different meditative music. And the last six months or so, I've really needed to just be listening to silence. And um, it's interesting that you say that about just being present with, I'm taking my son to take care. You know, it's, that's, that's, um, that's really good because you are becoming present and that's accelerating what you're doing. You're, you're not like absent from it. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, this is, this is part of the way that you can accelerate it as well. But um, definitely, um, the other thing I wanted to bring up when you said that too, the way that they give me the books, um, you know, it, it's reminiscent, and I think this might help listeners to relate to it. You know, Edgar Casey was known to be able to, they would put a book under his pillow at night and he would ha have all the knowledge from that book in his head the next day. He didn't have to read it. <laughs> and this is very similar in terms of what happens in the antibody travel state. We have a, we have a perception of activity, meaning we're doing something of value in our culture when in reality exactly what you said can be the uh, can be the reality where sometimes when when we lay our head down to sleep and we just allow um god or the universe or um to to actually act upon us that may be much more fruitful than anything we think up at times you know that doesn't mean don't listen to what you want to listen to or or do your thing but there is a place for silence and allowing god and realizing that acceleration sometimes is turning everything off and letting god do it and not thinking that we're in charge and because that's what we kind of do you know we we put so much input that we almost block this uh, phantasmically greater input, you know, that, that we really need that could um, alter things in a much more distinctive and much more meaningful way because we feel it's doing nothing and we've lost the uh, understanding that it's actually sometimes the only way we can do something of 
deep significance and value by allowing it to come into us rather than taking, you know, it goes back to what I've always said in many of my interviews and in my books, which is when you're experiencing out-of-body travel, don't make the mistake of thinking that you want to set an intention of I'm going to go here or I'm going to go there because God knows much better where you need to go and what you need to see than you could know. And um, there are so many things that you, we don't know even exist, you know, we wouldn't even think up, you know, it's kind of along the same lines where we limit ourselves, not realizing that that's what we're doing by not allowing God to do the forming. Um, and so there's a place for all those things, but there's also a very important place for the silence and that acceleration that comes from God alone, you know? For me, I did a meditation, Tibetan Buddhism meditation for a long time and what was told to us by the teacher was we have to have something to meditate on as well like we need when we're learning like for instance you have a series on how to have out-of-body experience series come to wisdom's door out-of-body experiences another book is out-of-body travel and mysticism the hammer of mysticism the fragrance of the mystical rose, the shining ocean, the primordial seed, which is also an audible book. I devour your audible books. Those, uh, <laughs> those dominos, omnibus. Yes, deus, deus dominos, deus omnibus. You say it way nicer than I do. <laughs> Fragrance mysticism. So, as for me, what I do is I spend about maybe 10% of my time being receptive and 90% with input. And I'm quite cautious about what I have input coming into my human computer. But these for me guide me and take me to a different place. And as you said, the mysteries of the redemption is energetically coded. That was my experience. And I've listened to each of the five books of the mysteries redemption uh, consciously with intent at least six seven times each uh, when I was writing the series for our television series that hopefully will happen sooner than later <laughs> so to me I think it's very valuable to have people who've already gone to these spaces who've been able to been on gone on these paths to bring back this information, to show us a roadmap, show us what they've seen. It allows us to know things that we could not know ourselves. So it's kind of pushing us in a direction that I also feel allows us to have more OBEs, to have yes. more experiences where we get to go to the places. Come to Wisdom's Door, for an example, is really about just like uh, Ascent of Mount Carmel, where it allows us to assist ourselves energetically to shed things that don't serve us anymore so that we can lighten the load and have more experiences. Right, right. And that's what I got from the Mysteries of the Redemption series too. It's, it never really stops. But I, I'm going into um, Galactica. I just listened to that all night, last night while I was sleeping. 
the palace fun that was that was a fun very fun book to write that galactica i loved that round i like galactica too it's it comes right after the mysteries of the redemption Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the next volume. Yep. <laughs> so I had to use part of Galactica, uh, Galactica to finish up our series to make oh, it cool. really nice at the end. You know? <laughs> also, the Palace of Ancient Knowledge. I just listened to that one. Oh, good. Okay. Treat uh, treatise on ancient mysteries. Yep. <laughs> Touched by the Nails is another one that's on Audible. Yep. I've listened to a bunch of times. Books of Terror of Terror and Principles of World, the World Beyond Death. I just have listened to in the last week. So <laughs> those are some of my favorites. So I really wanted to set kind of a, a context and a chronology and a purpose for why you've written the books in the order you have and get deeper into because right now we're just kind of we're touching upon these books. Every yeah. single book is a whole podcast, but I wanted to set it out there for people to listen to this podcast and be able to say, okay, so there's this and this. When you go to Audible and check out Marilyn Hughes, and in particular, if you go to the website where all the books are, you can type in those titles and they come up and it's really easy to listen to Audible books. You can do it anywhere, anytime. Yeah, and all of them are in Audible, you know. Um, so every single one, uh huh, yeah, <laughs> every single one, even I get jumping the, out of every single one every time I jump into it. Every time, good, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah, and you know, the one the uh, dialogues with the mystic is is being produced now, so it'll mm. be inaudible soon, too. So, <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so trying to keep up there <laughs> that's great and then you're working on a couple more right now as we speak too yep we're going to work on um hopefully two and three of dialogues with the mystic and i'm working on the lord of the redemption which is the third in the uh, redemption series which is uh the limb of the redemption the christ of the redemption and what will be the lord of the redemption so i am i'm looking am, at that right now the Mystical Captive series, which is the Mystical Captive, the Mystical Freeborn, and the Royal Question. Yes. So when and, did you, you know, write that these? series and the Solitary series are among my favorites as well. Tell me why. And why um, did you write them? What, in what part of the chronology did they come up? And what do you think their purpose Those was? ones came up right after, um, you know, uh, the Mysteries of the Redemption books, which would, I think, ended with, was it Principles of the World Beyond Death? Is that the last one there? Or uh, the Mystical Jesus would be the, you mean, oh, you mean the, uh, what, what did you just ask me? Say it again. I was um, yeah, because there's the, mystic, the Mysteries of the Redemption, and then you have the other books that follow, which would be Galactica, the Palace Galactica. of Ancient Knowledge, and touched by the nails, nails, principles of the world beyond death, and then books of terror. And then, um, well, then you have the redemption series, which I'm still working on the, um, the third there. But the mystical captive series and the solitary series um, followed that um, directly. So that's, that's the order. Ironically, most of the books follow there in the order that they occurred but you know now i'm seeing yeah so that's pretty much how they came and the reason the reason they are 
uh, my favorite, one of my favorites is because they were given to me in a slightly different way. There's a real poetic style that goes in. I was given these, you know, like, um, uh, it's like, it's like poetic verse in, in a lot of the beginnings of the chapters and throughout the chapters. And um, I really liked that. It was, for me, it was my Rumi-esque moment and I love Rumi. Um, and I really enjoyed this different style of writing, you know, and ironically, even um, in what I'm doing with the Redemption series, it's very, it's a little bit different too than, you know, the way, the other, the other styles. So, you know, it's different as well, but I think the reason those two series are among my favorites is because of the poetic, um, it was really like uh, given to me to write it in a mystical, poetical type language. And I, um, and it's also just the experiences that I had for those books. I, I you know, I can, I can still just close my eyes and remember some of the, you know, amazing things that I was allowed to see, you know, I, you know, I still, I still go back to the, I, I believe this one is in the potentate, which is the third in the solitary series, which is, um, where I'm, you know, I'm in this flowing gown at the top of this, you know, this cavernous thing and this, um, and I'm being given to fly and flow through this cavern, through these souls and like um, singing and speaking and the, the words that are being flown, that are flowing through me um, are, altering and assisting these souls because these souls are um you know struggling with something and it was just such a beautiful place and such a it was like you know i can just oh, <laughs> oh it was just such a, a beautiful um thing um but you know the the message in those books uh, about you know interestingly in the mystical captive series, it really goes into um, going back to the the beginning, the Garden of Eden, and what it, what did it mean that the fall of man, and um, what are how how is it that we actually go back and recoup what we lost in the fall of man. Um, and it's this beautiful journey. Um, it's such a beautiful journey. And in the solitary, it's taking it from there, which is the next step, which is how do we then uh, become capable of recouping it for others, of taking that energy and then recouping it for others. And, you know, that's a simple way of putting it, but it's, it's just um, some of the things that I was given to see and the... Um, you know, the, the process of the, um, the bridal mysticism, the bridal, the bridal chamber with Christ, the, um, the uniting with, um, the Lord. And, you know, I still remember, I think this one was in the mystical captive and I think of it all the time because it was such a powerful moment, you know, where I was taken through and I was, walking through this cloudy space and 
I came up behind this golden throne and and he was seated there and he had this golden crown on his head and he just literally just gently turned and looked at me. And it was like the moment that his eyes met mine, it was so astonishingly powerful. It was, it was such a calm, peaceful, but um, it was in, you know, reaching out for my hand and then, you know, um, never, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. It was just, it was very simple, very short, very, um, but it was um, something that will be etched on my memory forever. Um, you were told that your soul was also on several purgatorial spaces at once, right? Um, I'm, purgatorial, me, um, you know, earth-like third, fourth dimensional spaces. Yes. Like you mean the parallel existences. Yeah. 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 I had a question about that. <laughs> we have our hell realms here and our heaven realms and our purgatorial realms so does does you know we talked about terrestrials and the different terrestrial planets throughout this galaxy and all the galaxies does each just like earth has their hell realms do all of those places have their different hells and such or does it all intermingle well you know that's a good question because i can answer that um when you go to heaven you're going to see extraterrestrials there. So we know that in the heavenly realms, there's emerging. Um, but I can say that, you know, I haven't seen that in like the purgatories or the hell realms. So I'm not sure about that, you know. So maybe that's kind of cordoned off for this. For I don't know. It, you that. know, it's possible. I just don't know that for sure. It's a good question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that's, that's an interesting um, question thought you know whether or not that's the case um, but I do know that um, in the heavenly realms I've seen it where you know they're there but what's interesting is when you're there you don't um, notice it you only you only notice it when you come back and then you're like wait a minute and you and you're like wait a minute there are extraterrestrials in heaven wait a minute and then so then you have your surprise but when you're there it's so natural that they're there you're like hey you know, oh yeah, okay, hey, you know, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, catch you over there in a little bit. Okay, you know, so you, you, you're. It's so normal that it doesn't even occur to you to notice, and then it, you know, you think about it later, and you notice, and that's it's it's. So we know that there's an overlap there. Um, I haven't seen that overlap in the experiences that I've had. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It just means that I haven't seen that. And so you spoke of the Arcturians in the last six months or so. Do they look like us for the most part? Um, the ones that I've seen ha are blue, blue. and um, their heads are more elongated in the back. Okay. Do you think that in these apocalyptic 
times that we're going through that perhaps extra terrestrials as we call them i hate even saying that but <laughs> you know because i just don't think it's 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 one of those words where there's a knee-jerk talismanic kind of a feel to it like conspiracy theory and like what throw that in the garbage <laughs> you don't want to be affiliated with that but do you think that there's maybe other beings that maybe are going to assist us at this time or maybe some out there that are trying to not help <laughs> well you know i've definitely uh seen like with the pleiadians that i saw for a long time i know that they already have been trying to assist and you know they've been doing so from the spiritual realm um whether or not they're doing so in any physical capacity i don't know um i do think um that there are races that you know will probably eventually we'll probably get you know come to meet them physically but you know the ones that are really trying to help us are mostly either interdimensional or um higher dimensional and so they don't necessarily exist in our sphere so they're not third dimensional beings well we have the some ones solar system like on venus well there were there are some on venus but again they're they're not third dimensional beings so no so we can't necessarily see them through our physical eyes but there are um there are also you know there are also um other uh other beings that don't have good intentions <laughs> and um and there are also beings that are a lot like us where they're mortal beings and they um they think they might think they're doing the right thing but they're mortal so they have both good and evil within them and they might do things thinking it's the right thing but it might you know might not be so you have um a little bit of all of that and i have been shown um the possibility that there will be some type of intervention in these coming times whether that intervention will be physical or just in these interdimensional realms i'm not sure but um definitely i've you know i had visions um starting in the early 90s talked about those before but i had quite a few about um the the spaceships that were coming and they were actually taking people off the planet and people had to have certain criteria that they met they had to um <laughs> it's kind of hard to understand exactly what it meant but in in one of them in particular there was a coin and it was a saint joseph coin and so it was some type of spiritual requirement that people had to have to be taken off the planet and if they had that then they could they uh, they were being boarded on the planet uh off the planet into these craft and they were circular craft and you know there were like four or five in the sky at a time and people were lined up and it did appear that there was something going on that required that you know on earth um uh as to what that means you know only time will tell <clears throat> and um you know <laughs> it's a hard thing to to know exactly what that kind of stuff means when you know when you're before it happens or was it something that was going on in the spiritual realms 
Um, because, you know, in the sense, too, that people can be taken up spiritually. And, you know, this is part of also, ironically, you know, um, I'll just throw this out there, um, not intended to offend, but, you know, even like people who have like the rapture theologies, you know, being taken up being taken up you know what i mean this is kind of what was happening and sometimes um that can be associated with these kinds of possible beliefs as well i don't know um i i think it'll be interesting to see it unfold because what i mean the things that i had were very powerful when i would have them and they were so powerful that you would you would come back from them and be really surprised that it hadn't occurred, you know, it was so conscious and so intense. And so I do think it'll be interesting to see um, if these things um, with the extraterrestrials, terrestrials, whatever you want to call them, occur in you know these coming times and we also don't want to forget you know going back to the fact that all of the marian apparitions have told us you know we can alter events through prayer you know and so all of the marian apparitions over the past 200 years have said these things and so we don't want to forget that we don't want to energize apocalyptic events we want to, if at all possible, put out the prayer in case it can still be averted. And then, you know, then hopefully none of this stuff has to happen. And, you know, and perhaps the earth actually moves into a higher sphere of existence where there can be some type of a spiritual regeneration and it can be uh, something better than that. But um, if not, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, that's one of the things about even um, any type of, um, well, you know, it's any type of prophetic information you receive, you have to remember, it's always something that can change. And so you have to um, always keep that in mind. And you also don't want to, you know, like, for instance, I'll just give you an example here. And this is part of the reason I really hesitate to, to put too much emphasis on it. You know, like for instance, with the, the ISIS terrorists that were running amok for quite some time recently, you know, they had an ideology of their own perception of an apocalypse and they were actually running around trying to create it, which is not, recommended it's not a good idea and it's very evil and very dark and it is um you know so we have to not be energizing something of that nature we have to if we are aware of the possibility of these kinds of events then we want to be part of the potential solution so um you know, you got to be very careful about encouraging people to bring about those things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or um, uh, in the in the case of ISIS, it was very um, very vigorously trying to bring about those things. But then we also have people who might do it just with their own thoughts, 
um, where they, they think this must happen in this way. And maybe it doesn't. Our Blessed Mother has appeared in, in all these places, Fatima, Garabandal, Medjugorje, and she has made it clear that these punishments can be averted if people pray. So we don't want to forget that we've been told it can be averted. Do you see what I'm saying? And so we want to make sure that if there is um, any way to alter the outcome of any kind of uh, less than desirable events that we may have entered into, that we actually do the prayers. You know, she's told us to pray the rosary, to pray for the conversion of Russia, to pray for the conversion of Russia and the communist countries and the conversion of the error of communism being spread around the world. People can look into um, the Marian apparitions. There's actually something on YouTube that um, I believe it's still on YouTube, Marian apparitions in the 20th century that covers um, a great deal of the apparitions that occurred just in the 20th century of Mary, the Blessed Mother Mary, and the specific messages that she gave in those places. And that's a really good, you know, overview, about two hours of letting people see exactly what the messages were. But for those of us who are aware of it, we want to um, remember that things can be averted if there's enough people who will pray and who will be willing to work towards altering that sort of thing. If it doesn't get altered, then we all want to be prepared to stand and do whatever it is that we were all called to do during these times. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But we don't want to uh, we don't want to energize the idea that it's the only way, you know, it's the only way and that, you know, because what we want to be doing is praying. So, you know, if there's any, anybody who's listening, who's like, well, geez, what do we do? Well, just start praying, you know, start praying, listen to that um, video, Marian apparitions of the 20th century. It'll give you a good overview and then you can do more research if you're interested in it about what the Blessed Mother has been asking of us. That's great. I wanted to ask you, in regards to the history of the Earth, Atlantis, Lemuria, how far back does it go from your experiences, from what you've seen? Well, I know that I've had, I've gone back in time to a lifetime on Lemuria, and I did go back to a very short um, experience during a lifetime on Atlantis. And, and I'm not, you know, forgive me for not having my, um, my, I think this is before that. So I'm going to guess here, but I um, might have my history of the earth messed up. <laughs> but I had a very um, powerful experience where I went back to um, some type of caveman existence. And I was facing off with some type of uh, dinosaur type it was, uh, creature. It was, a woolly, it was a woolly mammoth. 
Was that a thank you? Yes. And I believe in that particular lifetime, I had like a father. Was, was, is that the, is that yeah, what it was? Yeah, egging you on. Yeah, <laughs> trying to get me to learn. You're eyeballing to... the woolly mammoth. And the... <laughs> and you're like, oh, so you had to hit the heart. And if you didn't, you were dead and you got him. Yeah, so I think that's probably the earliest I've gone. That one would probably be the earliest I've what gone. What was Lemuria like? Well, um, the lifetime that I had there. And how far back is that? That's a good question. I'm not sure, you know, because I had just experienced it. And I was um, experiencing it as people were boating off, you know. Um, and um, what I experienced was there was like a, a, there was a kind of like a case to like culture, but it was like a native natives and what would have been some kind of dominant race. I don't know if they were white or, but they were more the dominant. Um, and then, um, and so the natives were treated with less regard and there was, there was definitely some issue with um, the uh, the higher castes being um, evacuated first, and um, and then I know like in Atlantis, I was taken back, and I I was I was experiencing some type of religious ceremony. It was an open aired type building. And, you know, this was a long time ago, so I'll try to remember, but I think it had something to do with like a bull or a buffalo. It was probably a bull, but it, it had to do with some type of um, animal like that. Um, and there was, um, there was something with the stars and I was with somebody, I think it was a male and um, and I was just kind of witnessing this religious ceremony. Um, I remember looking up at the stars, um, and I don't remember the details, but I know it's in the mysteries of the redemption, as is Lemuria. I think you can. I'm not sure if the PDF function has changed, but I think you can search those kinds of terms but you know it's possible atlantis was in galactica but you just read that so probably not probably well, I was, no i listened to it last night while i was sleeping you know m most of your books i've not read i've listened to okay i used to read like crazy but i i don't know what happened all of a sudden i just started listening to and I felt like I could just devour a lot more. I kind of had a job too, where it was perfect for listening to stuff. So yep. I could just do it all day long. So it was fantastic. And then I just got used to doing that. A lot of people seem to like the Audible. And, um, it, you know, it's actually not a bad way to do things too, because you can utilize it to even go off in meditation. So just as you're talking about using it, it that's, a good, that's a good approach, you know, so. I had it in my head that somehow I was going to do a chronology of your work and put everything into context 
and what your purpose was. And I'm looking at the overview series, the oral transmissions of the 52 Soto Zen Buddhist ancestors, the doctors of the Catholic Church, the general councils of the Catholic Church, the Marian apparitions in the Catholic Church, the heresies in the Catholic Church, miraculous phenomena in the Catholic Church, on and not writers of the Philokalia. <laughs> it goes on and on. It's, but every one of these, and I have about 30 or so of your audible books, but every one of them is something we could spend an entire podcast yep. on easily. Yep. Just yeah, to get we into could. It. And when I noticed that I listened to something over and over, because I remember I, I think it was the Christ of the Redemption. I listened to, it's a long one, it's like 36 hours. <laughs> Isn't it? It, something like that and then i called you and uh, i was like yeah i just uh listened to that and you're like oh really well what do you think about the blah 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 and i was like <laughs> i don't know i have no idea what you're talking about and you're like well maybe you need to go back and, this. and so what i notice is when i go over it a couple of times three times that every time i go over it I, there's something else maybe i wasn't ready for it at that time or i needed other stuff first to preclude that yeah so just more i get into it at the feet of the masters the prasada as you just mentioned um it just goes on and on and on oh yeah well there's a there's a series that's world religions out-of-body travel and world religions and then you mentioned the overview series and you know so those are um i really liked doing the world religion books because each one of those covers um, six or seven of the major world religions, just depending on which, which ones had ancient texts available on the subject matter. And, and so that, that allows you to like explore subjects and actually, you know, really understand it from the view of different world religions. But there's a few of my favorite books under there, like Forgotten Mystics, you yeah. know, um, yeah, I love that. I, that was one of my favorite books to write just because it's all these, you know, un, you know, forgotten mystics. Oh my gosh. You know, selfishness and self-will. Everyone should write that because I mean, everything, everyone should write it too. Yeah. Out, well, you know, form. it's interesting. I wrote that one in response, ironically, when I was on uh, Coast to Coast AM in 2009, I talked a great deal about uh, my near-death experience in 2003 and um, and how the big thing was Jesus was telling me that the purpose in human life was to go from selfishness to selflessness and I literally got like 7,000 emails on people saying I want to hear about that <laughs> I was like well, and let's, so let's that was a response out. to everyone being excited about that and wanting to know more and so um, that's, you know, selfishness to self, uh, selfishness and self-will, um, and the path to selflessness, selflessness, so I can't even say my own titles, um, <laughs> in world religions, you know, so I go through the ancient sacred texts and, and call from those, the, the best writings on how to achieve that goal, you know, and, and a lot of those texts are done that way. And then in the, you know, in the overview series, those books are intended to give people a nice overview on what normally are really big religious topics. Mm 
And so, you know, like the Marian apparitions, I have like 32 of them in there. So that's actually a good one for people to download if they want to know more, not just about the 20th century ones, but the ones in the 19th century as well. Because, you know, the last 200 years, we've had a whole load of them, but also just the history of Marian apparitions to the beginning, which goes back to um, the um, Apostle Thomas when he saw the Blessed Mother, the Black Madonna. So that's the first one, you know, and so, um, but all of those books, the overview series, like, so, like you mentioned, the Soto Zen Ancestors, one of my faves, and the reason why is because this is literally the transmission stories of enlightenment from Shakyamuni Buddha through 52 of the uh, Soto Zen ancestors. This is literally the lineage of the moments of enlightenment. It's really uh, one of my favorites, you know, taken from the Denkaraku, which was, you know, a medieval um, Zen text, which was only, you know, translated into English, I think, in the 20th century, but only became available to lay people in the 20th century, too, because um, they'd kept that from, uh, you know, regular readers. It was just for the monasteries. And so this is like a fascinating text to have access to because it literally gives the individual moment of enlightenment for each of those ancestors. It's the transmission points. It's really amazing. Talk about great things to meditate on. That one has really good stuff. And of course, Writers of the Philokalia. Oh my gosh, I love the Philokalia. So, you know, the writers of the Philokalia are the um, writings of the early desert fathers. That's the Orthodox tradition. These are the, the uh, followers of St. Anthony and, you know, the early desert fathers who all went into the caves in Egypt and, you know, came up, you know, literally became desert mystics and monks and wrote some of the most profound writings in Christian history. So I love, love the Philoclea and that was, you know, so there's a lot of them in there and there's, you know, the history of heresy and the Catholic church, the, you know, the councils of the Catholic church, which is helpful because there's like 22 of them. And so it's helpful to get an overview of it. Um, also the things, uh, gosh, doctors of the Catholic church, um, um, but there's, you know, that's what they are, trying to take those big subjects. The one that we crack jokes about is Protestant reforms, which is because it is in the overview series, but I went, I went, I, I got a little bit detailed on that one. So it's a little bit more than an overview. <laughs> we have comparative religious mystical theology, forgotten mystics in the world religions, a Life of Cultivation, <laughs> Stories of the Prophets and World Religions, Stories of the Sages from Ancient Sacred Texts, yep. Miraculous Images. Wow. Man, that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. Miraculous Phenomena. All right, so I love that we have this opportunity to dive into these amazing subjects. And I love to learn about them too. And then I get to talk with you about it. 
They needed to assist us on our journey, which is really when it comes down to what is your purpose? Like, why do you write all these, all these books and put them out? And why do you do these talks? What are, what are you all about, Marilyn? Well, it's reducing spiritual hunger worldwide. But <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, it's, it's um, trying to bring to um, people what, what they're missing in terms of the purpose of their existence. You know, there's a lot of people running around who feel um, like, well, I'm kind of lost. I, I don't feel like there's a purpose in my life. And there is a purpose to our lives. But um, we've lost it in great part. There is a reason why we incarnate here. And um, it is this purification journey that we take. And I do this because I was literally, you know, instructed to do so in every step of the way, literally every single detail, but also the purpose of it being that, that we're trying to provide a window for people to realize that there is um, there is a purpose and it it can be easily achieved it's not like some really hard to find you know it does require effort and discipline you know I talked earlier about how um, you know some people don't want to do the work but um, it does require effort and stuff but um, this this is the 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 thing that so many of us are missing you know and we're you know we're finding that we you know we don't feel like we have meaning in our lives the reason we don't have meaning is because we're missing the point of why we're here so if we understand why we're here and we understand what we need to be doing then that can shift really fast and so a little bit of direction in one way or the other and then we let god take a hold of your hand and you know we're going to start seeing people really sore and that's why we do it we want to we want to try to see if we can lift up a bunch of souls to accelerate <laughs> you know accelerate <laughs> and you are helping us in a big way we i love your books and i know a lot a lot a lot of people do and i want to thank you for all of the the work that you've done Oh, thanks, and, Brian. And for your heart to share it with people in the most altruistic way. Um, and so, thank you and namaste to you. Namaste. <laughs> Let's do it again. Uh, we're going to have some uh, vignettes coming out from this one. Awesome. And we'll get deeper into, we'll see what we want to talk about for next time. Maybe we'll just dive into one of these subjects and do a deep dive. I wanted to do, like I said, an overview, so to speak, and just kind of skate over a bunch of titles, give some people some ideas. I would really recommend Audible. I love Audible. I have a hard time with electronic media sometimes, just like reading. Yeah. Like my mom is into the Kindle books and stuff. I need a book in my hands. So I've, I've <laughs> ordered some of your books so I can circle, square, underline, make a notation in the side, you know because I have to have it in my hand. But for people that's not a problem with, they're all available on Out of Body Foundation. Autobodytravel.org. Autobodytravel.org. Which uh, is the Out of Body Travel Foundation, yep. Yes, and um, yeah, you can download them for free there. And then they are available in paperback uh, and in all the electronic forms, formats and in Audible 
Absolutely. That's yep. fantastic. Just dive in. Start wherever, whatever feeds your soul. Jump yep. in and rock. And so as far as prayer, if we were to do a prayer right now for these times, what would it be like? Maybe you and I can pray together and maybe people who listen to this, when they hear it, they could do the prayer and, and that would just spread out across the earth how's that sound well that sounds good and you know i think what i would do is is take a little bit from the chaplet of the divine mercy because it's such a powerful prayer and and i would also direct people go to the website at outofbodytravel.org and you know we have the course of study there and under the course of study link is a page called today's liturgy and prayer and you can learn this and many other prayers on that page as well and so i definitely encourage that and if you take the course of study you're going to learn a lot of prayer so you'll learn a lot of cool things on the course of study along with a lot of other cool things so can you but, show us a prayer right now that people can take and use yep and this is from the chaplet of the divine mercy it's eternal father i offer you the body and blood soul and divinity of your dearly beloved son our lord jesus christ in atonement for our sins and for the sins of the whole world amen for the amen. sake of his sorrowful passion have mercy on us and on the whole world amen <laughs> okay until next time marilyn sounds good brian <laughs>